everyone, welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. <laughs> you said ass. I'm Matsy. And I am Micah. It's a special night here. It's the Animation Celery Toys for Boys telethon. <sighs> There'll be surprises, guests, and all the reviews and chatter you expect from ANCEL. To keep giving you all of this, let's call it content, we <laughs> need your support. Listen or download from your preferred podcast platform. That's all it takes. We rely on your downloads. Other podcasts might provide insightful talk about things people like and are interested in. Not us. Where else can you get this level of inanity? Please, please keep those bits streaming. And all right, first time tonight, let's check in with Matsy and see how we're doing for downloads on the big board. Uh, we got one. I guess Eddian's on top of things. Hey, um, good old Eddian. Yeah. Greetings from or to Mexico. Hmm. That's it. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> all you longtime listeners or longtime listener, I should say, um, yeah. on Animation Celery, Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch and then we discuss and review them the next week. And uh, this time we're revisiting cartoons driven to sell toys for boys. Toys for boys. Yeah. So uh, Matsy is going to be looking at Mad Balls Escape from Orb. Mm. And I'll be looking at the first episode of Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light. But, you know. Uh, the first thing we do always is, uh, get to the news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Matsy, what is new? Uh, I watched a tiny bit of the Cuphead show. I watched mm. a little bit more of the current season of Beavis and Butthead. Last time I said that there was only 10 episodes, but apparently that was just the only 10 episodes that had aired at that point because it's still going. Um, okay. I was, I was amused to see that the... The thing with smart Beavis and Butthead watching 40-year-old Beavis and Butthead was mm -hmm. not a one-shot. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a recurring thing. They had another one where Beavis decided to sit in Butthead's seat and refused to get out of it no matter what. And so in order to do that, he could not get up to go pee. And so both of his kidneys exploded. And <laughs> he had to get a transplant from the only donor in the area... Their old friend, Stuart. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but who cares? The most important thing in the world is mm -hmm. Splatoon 3. Okay. Um, boy, I love that game. I really like... I've liked Splatoon since the first game in 2015. And I'm not alone in that, although I am alone in that among people who I know. It's really <laughs> weird that Splatoon has become kind of one of the cornerstone corner cornerstone <laughs> franchises of the Nintendo Pantheon. Um, to the point, you know, it's like when they announced the newest Smash Brothers game, they yeah. did it by like they said before they even said it was Smash Brothers. They showed the inklings from Splatoon. Yeah, the fake out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I am the only person that I personally know who owns Splatoon 3. Like I hear that they sell huge in Japan. Uh, I believe that because yeah. my experience in Splatoon 2 was being just pummeled by players with uh, hiragana names. Okay. Um, this one, I think, is regionalized because I am not seeing a lot of hiragana. And oh. I am also kind of competitive. So ah. that's nice. Um, hmm. But anyway, another thing that I noticed, like I said, you know, nobody I know plays this game. I think I, I, I alluded to this on Twitter. I think I might have figured out why, because Splatoon has a thing where you can draw pictures. And then what it does is the the hub area in this game, it's called Splatsville or Splatville. Splatsville? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. One of those. Um, It is inhabited by uh, other players. It's not like an MMO. Like, it's not in real time, these other players moving around. It's like... Okay. Players are... Their equipment and stuff are uploaded to a server somewhere, and so they, like, populate the area. They're modified. Yeah, you can go and look at their stuff, and there's also a system in place where if you like a particular piece of equipment or clothing or whatever that they have, you can order it. Okay. Um, but also you can draw pictures and have that display. Like when a when another player gets close to your avatar in their Splatsville, this picture shows up above them, right? Okay. And based on what I have seen, a lot of furries play Splatoon. <laughs> now, I also <laughs> yeah. get the impression that there was a furry convention going on at the same time that Splatoon 3 came out. Might have been Midwest Fur Fest. I'm not sure. But that might be why I'm the only person in my social circle who plays Splatoon. Because furries love it. Um, oh. I, maybe. I don't know. I'm just seeing a lot of posts with big muscular tiger guys saying that they like men yeah. and um, <laughs> things like that. Um, you know, there's there's furries in town. I know you there could, are. And I know a yeah. lot of them, actually. Um, yeah. But um, what else? Uh, I I really like these pictures. There's people come up with some really good memes in Splatoon. There now, was, how do you do you draw them just like with a pencil tool and uh, fat can, bits? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, you can use the. You can use the analog sticks to draw, yeah. but you also it's switch. So it has a touch screen. Sure. So you can draw on the touch screen. Um, and I think there's other methods because some art that I've seen is way too good to be just drawn with a stylus on a touch screen. Um, well, it seems to me that in the milieu of the game that you'd be splattering your artwork. Yeah, but. People put more care into it than that. They like render these beautiful pictures of the inkling characters and stuff. One okay. that cracked me up was <laughs> this wonderfully drawn picture of Hank Hill with a cap holding a paint roller. And next to him was this, again, beautifully done Bobby, except <laughs> that his hair was these like swept back tentacles. Oh, and <laughs> Hank is saying, now, Blueby, there's nothing cringe <laughs> about inking home base. And I'm like, that's that's so good. Oh, wonderful. And you can also like like 
these you can you can mark these posts as fresh. So I was going around today looking at the good posts and freshing them up. Um, huh. Also worth noting, there is a Splatfest coming, which is when in the previous two games, it was two sides pitted against each other. Like, do you like cats or dogs or would you rather have flight or invisibility? That kind of thing. And then right. for two days, there would be matches where your team would be matched against the opposing team. And then at the end, you know, one of the teams would win. One of the innovations for Splatoon 3 is that the Splatfests are now three ways. And mm. the first day you'll be matched against the other two teams. And then in the third or the second day, it's a three way match where it'll be four players from whatever team was in the lead after the first day against two players each from the two teams not in the lead. So like the two teams that are currently losing have a chance to bully the winning team to come mm. from behind. Okay. So the first, well, there was a pre-release Splatfest. Um, I am not sure who won that because I'm just seeing a lot of people complaining about it. Um, mm. It was rock versus paper versus scissors. Um, mm. The one that is upcoming next weekend is what would you rather have on a deserted island? Gear, grub, or fun? Hmm. I went with gear. The thinking sure. being, gear will give you grub. And more freedom to have fun. I guess, yeah. Like, fun... If you're on a deserted island, I think fun is not exactly a priority. Like, you gotta keep yourself amused, but, like, you Do also have, have to keep problem? yourself... Hmm? When they put these que sorry, when they put these questions out, is there a problem that some of them are just unpopular? You know, like so many rocks, so many scissors, not that many paper. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember previous ones. It seems like they were all relative. They they had this weird method of like it would be like regular games and then team games and then the league games, and so it was like a a best of three thing in this weird way. I remember okay. the very first Splatfest. I don't remember the exact circumstances of it, but it was cats versus dogs. Mm. And I remember being really annoyed that dogs won because I thought that the way they won was crap. I was like, Oh, what? <laughs> what? Come on. But I don't remember the specifics of it. Okay. Um, so I'm not really sure if there's been like a blowout. Uh, I remember one of the early ones was ketchup versus mayonnaise. And I was like, ketchup. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't eat ketchup straight, but it's more flavorful than mayonnaise. Um, well, that, that's a super Japanese thing there. <laughs> oh, the Japanese, mayonnaise. Japanese actually have different splat fests. In fact, one of the things well, you have to they, do, they could during, have that one. One yeah. of the, one of the things you do during the tutorial is pick your region, your splat fest yeah. region. I am in the North America New Zealand and Australia region. Because um, the American one or the, the Japanese ones would be like sponsored. Like which mm. which flavor of this brand of instant noodle is your favorite? Do you like I the see. Tanuki flavor or the whatever the other one was? Um, but they would have things like I remember they had one where it was it was a three part like tournament splat fest where it was like two of the Ninja Turtles against each other and then the other two against each other and then a finals. Um, mm -hmm. 
They had Autobots versus Decepticons at one point. Um, in North America, I mean, this wasn't just Japanese. Sure. Uh, but so, yeah, that's going down. Um, what else about Split? I mean, I could say specifics about what's different about Splatoon 3, but it would only make sense if you played Splatoon 2 or 1. Um, <laughs> okay. I know that you're, you want to know what the card game is like. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I do, actually. Table Turf Battle, it's called. Yeah. And the idea is that you get this deck and the cards are uh, patterns of filled in blocks on a grid. Hmm. Um, and you get 12 turns and you and your opponent play simultaneously at different ends of this rectangular field. Uh, the rule is that after your first card, all of your all of your future patterns have to be placed so that at least one block of it is adjacent to a previous block of your color. Like right. In, in one of the eight spaces surrounding it. Right. Like, OK. Or diagonally, like cardinally or diagonally or whatever it is. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, there are special blocks called PowerPoints, which if, if they are completely surrounded, you get a PowerPoint and you can store up to four. Uh, the the ink squares cannot be placed to overlap your opponents. But okay. if you turn on the PowerPoints, like each card has a different PowerPoint cost up to mm -hmm. four, depending on how many squares it fills in. And if you turn on the PowerPoints, you can spend your PowerPoints to have your spaces overlap your opponent's spaces, thus overwriting their colors. So if I were to be holding these cards, they'd have like transparent windows, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah. Or, or, or cutouts, I guess. Yeah, I d I'm not really sure how you would do it on a board. I guess it would have to be transparent uh, cards. Mm. Um, I've played a little bit of it. It's weirdly tricky i beat baby jelly uh hmm. and now i'm my next opponent is what is it uh like nerd jelly or smart jelly or something like that um but then you can also play against other players too uh hmm. so and and get and there is something fun about doing the single player and you uncover you know a secret and it's like oh you got a pack of cards and then you go and collect it and it opens up and shows you all the cards that you just got. You can build up to 16 decks and save them. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, that is there. Um, OK, the single player mode. I my history with Splatoon single player story mode is that I finished it in Splatoon one. Never finished it in Splatoon two. I got kind of annoyed with it. The Octo expansion, which is just another single player campaign, I hated and never finished. Hmm. But I played through the single player in Splatoon 3 in three days. It was about 12 hours and I finished it all the way. And the ending of it, I won't spoil. Maybe I'll tell you off recording if you're interested, but it okay. was bananas. Like, <laughs> I couldn't if you care about the lore of Splatoon, I couldn't believe <laughs> what was going on. In the finale of I'll tell you the something that Nintendo has said that the kind of title of the story mode is Rise of the Mammalians, because huh. the story of Splatoon is that it takes place in the future after the polar ice caps have melted. Humans are extinct and sea life, particularly 
octopuses and squids have become the dominant species on Earth. Mm. And so the single player has to do with Octarians, who were the octopusy villains of the previous two games, uh, hmm. now have fur. And not really sure who the villain is, because during the first sequence of the single player, the big boss of the first two games, DJ Octavio, uh, shows up and says that he's not the villain. So what's going on? Hmm. The answer is crazy. Um, okay. I don't know. Do you have any questions about Splatoon 3? <laughs> well, I was, I was thinking, they okay, so they're growing fur. But to my thinking, the uh, Inklings and the Octolings would have like rubbery flesh. Yeah. And every rubbery everything, really. Yeah. So it's a little weird for me to think of them in the context of having fur. Oh, they're not. Like when I say Octarians or whatever, it's like. Yeah. Picture like a tentacle, like a big thick tentacle, like in um, in what's that day of the tentacle, the old computer. Game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Picture one of those with a face on the underside. Oh, like that's huh. the kind of enemies that you're fighting. OK, um, and they have fur on them. Hmm. So, yeah. It's hmm. it's it's pretty neat. Um, I've. I finished all the levels except for the last. Once you finish all the levels, it unlocks one last secret level, which is really long and really hard and has no checkpoints. And I'm currently trying to get through that. Hmm. <sighs> so Splatoon 3 is great. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it had a uh, dramatic finish. I don't know. It's kind of dramatic. It's <laughs> it's just crazy. Well, astonishing i guess oh yeah like when when they reveal who the villain is i was like whoa and it and on some <laughs> level it seemed obvious in retrospect like i saw it, it was like oh of course but at the same yeah. time i was like whoa really <laughs> so yeah um anyway that's unless you have any further uh questions about splatoon 3 that's is what I've been doing through most of my non-working waking hours over the last week. I'll, I'll give it some thought and I'll catalog them for next week. Okay. My Splatoon questions. Yes. Um, right. AMA. Okay. So, uh, speaking of your Splatoon region, the uh, uh, Canada, New Zealand, uh, Australia, so on, the Commonwealth. Um, so, of course, uh, Queen Elizabeth has passed. Yes. And... Um, I remember some time ago finding out that Canada doesn't specifically have to have the British monarch as our monarch. It's hmm. just like, it's just custom, right? But technically we could make like uh naturalist uh, David Suzuki could be our king or whoever. I Well, um, I mean, uh, you've, you've apparently researched this more than I have, but there is the idea that Canada could become a republic. And have a president mm. if we really wanted to. Right. So I've compiled a top five list of cartoon Canadian monarchs. Oh. Yes. Car cartoon monarchs that we could appoint as our new as our new uh, ruler. OK. OK. King Charles III. Step aside. We got better options. Right. So this is this is stuff we've covered before. here. So okay. number f number five. Duke Igthorn. <laughs> so, mm. 
I think Canada could stand have some of his uh some of his swagger, some of his grit. Um hmm. and I figure I mean, he would probably he he would certainly abuse his power. Yeah. I imagine a whole bunch of ogres in uh Royal Canadian Mounted Police dress uniforms <laughs> stomping around the bushes looking for bears. Ogre um, mounties. <laughs> yes, Gad and Zook <laughs> be, the, be in his cabinet. Um, let's see. Okay, so that's that's my number five. Number four, Queen Healing from Ranking of Kings. <laughs> uh, she's a good ruler. She's got magic powers, and she's kind of a babe, even though she's got a nose like Pearl from uh, Steven Universe. <laughs> Are you implying that Pearl is not a babe? Because she's not. Uh, not next to Queen Healing. Put it that way. Gosh, come to think of it, I don't know if any of the Crystal Gems are babes. I kind of like Amethyst. Eh, her lips are too weird. <laughs> she, well, not just plump, but with the uh, that weird pout, that weird yeah. A shape, yeah. I guess, eh? Yeah. But I think she'd be fun, but she's also kind of gross. So, well, uh, I mean, she could take out my garbage, which is to say eat it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And she can shape change into anything and isn't shy about doing it. So Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean she could, as long she as could, it's purple. She could be a pretty utilitarian girlfriend. <laughs> sure. And good voice. So there you go. But yeah. anyway. Um th this isn't about waifus. She just Queen Healing happens to get into that category. So right. uh number three, herself the elf. Bring hmm. a lot of magical powers, probably uh, be good for the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's got that lineage, right? She's she's the uh, daughter of the king of elves, so. Oh, that's true. I forgot that. Yeah, so it works. technically she's the queen already of her, yeah. Yeah. She has experience yeah, as a queen. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay, my number two, King Koopa or Princess Toadstool or the power couple of them both. Hmm. Um... Peach? Wait, so is this specifically, like, from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show? Oh, yeah. Toadstool? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, her? Toadstool with the, the big, big wrists. And oh, <laughs> well, I mean, she's never around, so who cares? Like, she doesn't rule her kingdom, she just... That particular version of her, she's just always riding around on some bathtub motorcycle somewhere with a couple of schlubs and one wiener. <laughs> I think that could unite us, you know? <laughs> or or would she be like rewriting through Alberta and there'd be some Yahoo saying, you're not welcome. Ugh, I, I don't know. But, but okay, sure. As for King Koopa, I mean. That eh, voice, that voice, you'd want that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what was his name? Harvey Atkin? Mm. I, I'd take him as a king. Sure. He could be, um, what was that guy? Mr. Mushnick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so before I get to number one, I got my honorable mentions. Uh-huh. So Duchess Raven Waves. Um, <laughs> I feel that she kind of occupies the same space as Igthorn, both yeah. in color scheme and in selfishness. Yeah. But Igthorn's retinue of ogres is better than her henchmen. Um, mm. And Queen Celestia, of course. Princess. But I feel she doesn't quite. 
I guess she is Princess Leia. Boy, we're in that world where nobody gets to be queen, right? Everybody's well, a princess, even if they're the ruling. Well, there is a name for that. It's a principality. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a country. I think it's, I think it might be Andorra is a principality where the, like the ruler is a prince or princess. They never actually get to king or queen. So you're saying there's like a doddering alicorn somewhere that's in Equestria? No, I'm saying that there's just no king or queen. It's just huh. princess is as high as it gets. Huh. Must be the way all these cartoons work. Then they're all principalities. I yeah, think, I like I, that bugs me with Adventure Time with the Candy Kingdom. It's like technically it's a principality because you're a princess mm. and you rule it all. Anyway, go ahead. OK, number one, I choose Eclipsa from Star versus the Forces of Evil. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. that's actually a really good choice. She and she see she seems like a good Canadian monarch. She looked good on our bills. Mm hmm. Yeah, she and she's like the most competent ruler. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, she's a mm. good queen. Yeah, like she's when you once you know the story of Star versus the Forces of Evil, it's like she's she starts out. As, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who has, hasn't seen it, but like she is this feared monster. Well, I shouldn't say monster, but she's a she's a feared monster <laughs> lover. Um, yeah, it's like, oh, she's the. She's the most villainous monarch we've ever had. Um, but it turns out, no, she's actually she would. She's a good choice. I like that. That's a good choice. Actually, now that you mention it, my one and two are both uh, the idea of a of a pretty gal with a monster husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, I, yeah, I it's neat. It, interesting that you didn't pick Princess Bubblegum. I guess she's too obvious, but also I don't know if she's really interested in being a ruler so much as she is being adored. Heh. I could have could have gone like lumpy space princess or gone with huh. a real curveball and went with like hot dog princess or <laughs> Oh, there's so many princesses. Um probably the best monarch in that series might be Flame Princess. Oh yeah? Yeah. She <laughs> She just overthrew her dad one day and uh, it seemed like she it, there was an episode where she was really annoyed at Finn for lying to her. And mm -hmm. so she just decided, you know what, I'm going to go back home, overthrow my father and rule the kingdom. And so she does. And the rule of the the flame kingdom from then on is that everyone has to tell the truth and hmm. everyone just accepts it. It's like there's a scene earlier where a, where a guy shows up is like, what is your business in the in the castle, the guy's like, I need to pay my taxes. Also, I like to use the bathroom here. Also, I like to crop dust the lobby. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Is that truth or TMI? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so that was some important stuff I had in my mind. Yes. Um, but paramount of everything, of course is more info about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. <laughs> okay, we both have our little obsessions that are very niche. Yes. Um, so How many octopuses I, are there in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Octopuses. I don't think they're... Well, no, no. Okay, there was some squid ink pasta in an episode, so there you go. <sighs> All right, I'll allow it. Um, okay, so... I, I I finished this chapter, yeah. um, this 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 part of this cha of this chapter, of the series, uh, 
So remember last time I was talking about the design oddities? Yeah. And, and I mentioned in particular Father Pucci, who uh, <laughs> has his, his hair connects to his eyebrows. Yes. And yeah, okay. And I think even his eyebrows then connect to his, like his pattern zigzag on his, uh, that outline his cheekbones. Um, yeah, it, it goes all the way around. It's like he has this one star-shaped opening in the middle for his face to go through. Well, that's funny because you... Oh, well, see, he's got an even more pronounced star on his forehead. So he's had a change at this point where he's mutating. Okay. And that extends to his weird hair patterns. <laughs> so, yeah, as he's like struggling and mutating, he's now he's got a jagged line that goes from one of his eyebrows and crosses the bridge of his nose to then join at his beard. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like somebody was making a a me on their switch and just uh, put in a mustache <laughs> and moved it all the way up. <laughs> yes, yes. OK, so um, and also while keeping most of his hair really short, you know, as it appears there, yeah. he's grown it out at the back uh -huh. into into three ponytails that pass through grommeted holes in the high collar of his jacket. All right. Sure. I mean, that sounds like anime clothes to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's getting a little weird, but <laughs> th th there are some funny highlights that, you know, are really just, you know, why you go for Jojo's. Um, <laughs> there was a monster baby with a power that he, ha it had a proximity where if you got within it, the closer you got to the baby, the more you shrunk. Okay. And thus you could never catch up to the baby because the relative distance between you and it <laughs> would grow so much. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a high concept. Yeah. Um, there was also a bit that uh, I guess was a little bit like Memento where uh, Jolene was suffering from the curse of a stand jailhouse rock where she was only able to learn three new things. Oh. So basically the things that she learned beyond what she knew before being cursed all cycle and she forgets the previous thing. Mm-hmm. She even forgets it to the extent where for a while she can't even sense the thing, right? So if she, if, if four prison guards come running at her, she, one of them, she'll just be blind to. She can't see or hear it for a while. Um, anyway, as a consequence of her cycling through her new bits of information, just like in Memento, Memento she's writing stuff on herself mm -hmm. so that, and her first... The first thing she always sees is you can only remember three new things on her hand. <laughs> well, now um, it's two. Well, yeah, exactly. So she's constantly uh, is unaware of how or why she's in her current place or situation. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember last week also I, I complained that there's too much uh, super healing in JoJo's. Yeah. I do like that she has a... Um, a technique of convenience until she can get healed that remember her, her stand and herself is like unwinding string that can do all kinds of stuff. Okay. Well, she often just stitches herself in an instant too with her string, which is kind of <laughs> neat. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I was glad to see guests come back. Uh, Jolene's cellmate. Um, oh, one of the big things, uh, the, uh, starting with season four, there's an interesting focus on bad guys. Like you can tell they really like the, the, the main villain of a series. So what'll happen is there'll be an arc 
that focuses on the prime villain where we hear a lot of their internal thoughts and we follow them and, 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 you know, it's not easy for them. They have big challenges to overcome and you end up rooting for them, right? Because you're, you've been following them. Yeah. Um, so yes, they, they did it with the villain of this season for, uh, uh, Diamond is Unbreakable and Golden Wind and now Stone Ocean, they all have this, which, you know, is kind of fun and sort of unique to JoJo's. Hmm. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, it's building to a climax and I was hungry for more when I got to the last episode. And, you know, that fateful moment when you have the suggestions of other episodes rather than the uh, skip to next episode option. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, good stuff. There are people that say that this is a total mistake that Netflix dumps all this. Mm. Like, not just with this, but there are various shows that uh, it means that there's all the hype for it disappears in an instant because people binge it. I I guess that's true. Like, um, I remember when season one of Centaur World came out and I watched all of it in one day and then watch the first two episodes again. Like that's, mm. that's a lot of, uh, one thing at once. And it's like, Oh, but at the same time, like it's sometimes shows are just so good that you can't help it. Right. And I haven't watched Jojo's as they come out until now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my th- experience has been like, I'll watch five episodes or whatever, but maybe the next time there's a show that, I really like, I'll try to drip feed it. Why do that anyway? Because otherwise you find that you just don't remember anything from your experience. And then did you really experience it at all? Right? No, I guess. I don't know. So yeah, I like to, you know, I I just like, I'm thinking about She-Ra and the princesses of power and how they're like, Oh, new season. Let me just watch all of it. Yeah. I like to like have a work day where I ruminate on the stuff that I saw, you know, that would be nice. I kind of wish there was another yeah. episode, another season of She-Ra now, so I could do that. Hmm. And maybe Netflix will come up with something else that I like. All right. Well, uh, we should get to the shows. But first, uh, we should uh, do a little more telethoning here. So uh, wasn't that some interesting news? Uh, you can only get that sort of content here on Animation Celery. Is Mark Marin going to talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? You're not going to get any... Uh, Splatoon chatter on Michelle Obama's podcast. So download download 100 megabytes, 50 megabytes, whatever you can afford without missing it. And now we're going to enjoy a special musical performance by the Interstrata Marine Pirate Federation while you go to your modems. You can never get tired of that song. Hmm. So to keep giving you media like this from largely forgotten cartoons, we need your downloads. But get this. Not only will you be supporting niche podcasting, but you needn't go empty handed. If you download one gigabyte of animation celery podcasts, you get a 75 milliliter tube of Geppel's goo. For those who cross the 10 gigabyte donation you'll get a children's backpack from an outlet store. Three in four backpacks will have cartoon-related themes. 
and none will have more than one sewing error. And, and if you download at the 50 gig level, you get the backpack, three tubes of Gebelskoo, and a Red Dwarf t-shirt with the PBS branding removed. Anyway, we've got a uh, cartoon review coming up. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so, this is Mad Balls. Uh, Escape yeah. from Orb, it's called. The thing that I wanted to inflict on Micah, but then he turned around and preemptively inflicted on me. The official first time that's happened in the history of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I come out on the short end of this stick, but at the same time, I'm getting what I deserve for trying to inflict it on my friend. Um, well, we both watched it, so... Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> we both scoured it to take notes. So, Mad Balls were just some uh, foam balls shaped like gross characters. It was in that period in the 80s where there was, like, garbage pale kids. And in fact, I think there's a, like, um, Mad Balls... Versus Garbage Pails Kids cartoon or yeah. something. Um, There's at least a graphic, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just like little Mont, like this ball is like uh, a zombie with a brain exposed or a, I guess the main one apparently is just a baseball with a yelling face on it, which I remember yeah. even at the time, like I, you know, I was a not very discriminating little boy. And so it was like, yes. oh, new toy. Hooray. Um, but even then I was like, man, why is the baseball the main one? That's the most boring one. Who cares about screaming Mimi? Although I I, <laughs> hmm? I bet they were the peg warmer. You know, if you went to the toy department, there would just be a whole bunch of screaming Mimis. Yeah. Um, having said that, the one that I always wanted was Oculus Orbis, which is just an eye. So maybe I'm maybe my tastes are all skewed like a lot of toys they decided to try to make a cartoon out of it um and like battletoads this one never got past the first episode i guess they saw it and went yuck uh <laughs> and so it just got released on vhs as a special vhs uh, although it has <laughs> all the hallmarks of it like it's got commercial break pauses opening sequence, title card, all that stuff. Uh, Escape from mm. Orb. And this one sets up the story, such as it is, of these uh, gross balls. Takes place... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He <laughs> said gross yeah. balls. Um, all right. So it takes place on planet Orb. And, <laughs> hey, Star Wars wasn't that old at this point, right? So no. Orb has been taken over by the leader of the bad balls, Commander Wolf Breath. <laughs> um, and he has out. Oh, before I get to that, though, the title sequence is a yeah. dumb cover of Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, yeah. Uh, sung with it's it's just, you know. Too much love drives a ball insane instead of a man insane because A, they're not men and B, it's a female character, Freakella, singing it. I so, think I liked this song as a little kid because, you know, there's a lot of woo and weird stuff like that. Mm. But as an adult, I at best mildly dislike it. This particular version or that song? In all, all of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 
it, it's just one of those things that just kind of exists in the world. I don't even have an opinion of it. It's just a song that I know is there. Hmm. Um, the reason that I mention this is because the narrator, Dan Hennessy, explains to hmm. us that Commander Wolf Breath, Wolf Breath and his bad balls have taken over Orb <laughs> and outlawed laughter and bouncing and above all music, which immediately made me go, oh, no, this show is going to be full of parodies of existing songs, isn't it? Just like that well, one that I just listened to in the title. Oh, no. It's only 21 minutes, so they can't put that many in. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, man, that that just, as soon as you said outlawed, like, as soon as music was one of the things he outlawed, I'm like, oh, that's what this movie's, this thing's going to be about music. No. And kind of, yeah, because they're building the enslaved uh, balls are building a monument to Commander Wolf Breath and, uh, we get to see Screaming Mimi, who is the baseball, and Freakella, who is not a toy mad ball. It's just, oh, we I guess we need a female character. Uh, let's invent mm. one. Um, you know, they, they made Dusty the mummy into a female. Yes, that, I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it might be anyway. They may all be female. Who well, knows, right? Uh, but, the original toy is called Dust Brain. Yes. And... If you look at that toy, I think it's it's designed to look like a cartoon caricature of Peter Laurie. OK, um, so I don't think any of these were intended to be female. It's just, you know, we need more female characters. We have female actors we are obligated to use, I guess. Uh, Freakella is voiced by Cree Summer for what that's worth. Yay, um, but also not. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, they are carrying around this block and talking about how they're going to perform tonight uh, hmm. at the at the secret club. Um, but also they get harassed by one of Commander uh, Wolf Breath's bad balls, uh, Bruce Brother, who makes the mistake of calling Freakella Mophead, which is apparently a, tr a very specific trigger for her. Hmm. Um. She gets mad, but Screaming Mimi talks her down. But let's remember this for later. Um, they meet up with their friends, Dusty and Skullface and uh, the others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically, there's some shenanigans, but it's 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 quitting time and they're getting ready to. Like I said, uh, they're going to go to the club and perform. Um, although Freakella also wants to get that bruise, brother. Mm. Um. Now, at this point, we also we we get to see uh, two more balls, Arg and Slobulus, who are uh, searching in the garbage for these are the two dumb characters. Mm. And one of them is also the cool character. And huh. I guess <sighs> these archetypes. All right. Anyway, they're looking for a part because the two stupid characters have built a spaceship. Hmm. And they need this one last part. Um, and they need to finish their spaceship before they go to the Mad Balls concert. The Mad Balls being the band. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Um, so they finish their spaceship, I guess, that they were smart enough to build, I guess, and go hmm. to the club. Uh 
Oh, this is painful. The right. <laughs> so earlier, when Freakella was sneaking out, she got her revenge on Bruce's brother, but uh, also the bad balls figured out where the secret club is, and there's a raid. The the mad balls managed to escape with the help of Arg and Slobulus, who introduced themselves. And then this is probably the dumbest thing. This really triggered me for some reason where okay. the the mad balls are introduced to Slobulus and Arg and they're like, hey, good to meet you. Say, do you know a way off this planet? How, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> how, how is that the first? Yeah, I know that you're an enslaved society, but like, how do you like if I was in a bad situation, like if I, you know, if I was living in the United States and it was like, oh, they've they've taken away abortions. Does anybody know how to get off this <laughs> planet? Like as a serious question, not as some meme joke. I guess interplanetary travel is something that is was commonplace before the uh, oppression. I suppose that does make a certain amount of sense, because as we will see later, Wolf Breath has a spaceship. But it turns out or or, hmm? or maybe, like you said, this is just paralleling Star Wars. No. They go to the club, they find passage off the planet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> yeah. Um, Skullface shoots first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, these two dumb characters who they've just met, turns out, actually did build a spaceship. Oh, that was lucky. So, hmm. so they climb into the spaceship and escape from the bad balls. They, this is another one that, just one of those dumb animation errors where they're like, they've forgotten how to turn on their spaceship because they're so dumb. And Freakella hmm. says to push the red button because it's always the red button. And then she pushes a big purple button. Oh, yeah. And it launches. Oh, boy. Um, It turns out that they're not actually controlling the spaceship. Like, they do get into space, and they wreck the monument, of course, because they have to. Um, And they get into space, but it turns out that Slobulus and Arg aren't actually flying it. They're making spaceships. Uh, they... Uh, this is just a mess. Like, oh, well, I guess they're holding it steady. Let's turn on the TV. The black and white TV. Well, I guess Aren't that they, makes sense if it's made of garbage. Weren't they sewing something? I thought they were sewing something. A parachute. They're, oh, that's they're right, parachutes. parachutes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was at this point that I noticed how often these jokes are actually matched by a rim shot in the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Like, we're making parachutes. Yeah. Like, ooh. <laughs> um... <laughs> So as they're flipping through channels, they find a rock concert from Earth. And they really like it. They decide that Earth would be a good place to live. There's some joke in here I don't even remember where Dusty says that they could do whatever they want. And they're like, how do you know? And she's like, I heard it through the grapevine. And she holds up some grapes. Oh, she holds up some grapes. And I'm like, that's not even a joke. Like, if you were leading into that... Heard it through the Grapevine song, maybe, but no, I think another animated series had the lock on that at the time. I guess, I guess it would make sense if Beetlejuice did it, but yeah. Well, he would, he would turn into a Grapevine. He wouldn't hold one up. Right. Like, I heard it through I the Grapevine. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lydia. <laughs> I don't really understand people. these mad balls anyway. Well, no. Like they, they, they bounce, but they don't really have any powers. 
And sometimes they have limbs. Sometimes they have just arms. Well, they have the sometimes ability they to levitate. Them, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, let's go to Earth. The concert that they were watching is, I guess it was the opening act because the main eventer is the hottest band on Earth, the Cartoons. But hmm. manager Skip, who apparently is a little boy, uh, gave them the wrong directions and they're in Alaska. And her, he, he and her, he and his sister Sandy are kind of panicked. Well, he's more panicked than Sandy is. Sandy, uh, I'm going to mention now, is voiced by Allison Court, who is best known. I mean, there's a bunch of things that she might be best known as. Uh, Claire in the Resident Evil games. Lydia in the Beetlejuice cartoon. Um, what's her name from the Big Comfy Couch? Lunette. Lunette, yeah. yeah. Um, this is like her second voice role ever, and it shows. She sounds really young, like she's she's unrecognizable, like her voice hasn't yeah. fully matured and neither has her acting ability. These two, Skip and Oof. Sandy, are the worst actors in this show. They're kind of typical for Nilvana kids where they cast actual kids. Yeah. Anyway, they're they're panicked. What do we do? Our band's not here. And then uh, meanwhile, in space, uh, Wolf Breath, as I mentioned earlier, he has a spaceship, too, and he has gone out of his way, abandoned his planet to catch this one little group of rebels. Uh, the rebels also, by the way, uh, apparently left behind Oculus Orbis, which is the mad ball that I wanted. So uh, I guess he's not going to be in this show. So I'm the one the one anchor that I <laughs> might have had is gone. Yeah. Um, they evade them and land on Earth. They manage to land exactly on the concert stage. Maybe there's some kind of technology involved in tracking the signal from, I don't know, whatever. Um, so these fans, this sea of white people who are here to see the best, most popular rock band on Earth are blown away by this cover of Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire. Um, Wolf guy and his guys show up and there's a little chase. It, you know, it does the thing where there's a bunch of doors and they all run through him in various directions. Blah, blah, blah. There's the uh, wolf breath opens the door <laughs> and all oh, the two uh, Oregon Salamios are dressed as ladies who are like, ah, fresh masher. And he's like, wait, yeah, oh, yeah all this garbage, whatever. Um, but eventually the on stage wolf. Oh, on, and the music is still going on, even though the whole band, except for the singer, is running around. Mm. Um, eventually the jig is up and or gig is up, as it might be, because um, mm -hmm. it's a music, you see. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. they wolf breath decides that he's going to take him away, but he says mop head. And so freak Ella, not screaming Mimi screams and the force of her scream is enough to blow all the bad balls into their spaceship. And then, uh, one of them, I can't remember which one and I don't care. Uh, hot wires it to make it fly away. Uh, the day is temporarily saved. Skip is going to be the mad balls manager. Cause they're going to be a band here on earth. And, um, there's another, that slobulous 
Oh, uh, Freakella has a new hairstyle and Slavia's calls her mob head again. And there's another. Uh, that's the last time I pay her a compliment. Everybody laughs and that's the end. And none too soon. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty agonizing. Wow. Pretty boring, actually, it's really boring and agonizing. Um, Not a lot happens, but it sure takes a long time to do it. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, this is this is not what I would want from a Mad Balls cartoon. Um, have you watched any of the shorts? No, I there's, I had enough like, after this. There's more modern shorts, and they don't have arms and legs. They're just balls, mm. and they're not really good. But they're just comedy bits. It's sort of it, they they contextualize them like we're going to the movies and we're stupid, and then there are humans that are like uh, jump cut. Um, real life people, but with cartoon eyes over top of them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's this kind of oh, thing. But oh. while, it, while it is not good, it is more the kind of thing I would want from a mad balls thing. Mm. Not this thing where they're like, Oh, there's a, there's a planet where out, music is outlawed. Where did they get that for this? Um, by the way, you mentioned the uh, mad balls, Garbage Pill Kids crossover. For the context of this cartoon, there should be a Mad Balls Sonic Underground crossover. <laughs> where Robotnik and uh, and uh, Wolf Breath band together to stop music. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Let me see here. Uh, a couple of notes. I see the cover of this uh, uh, thing, the video, and it says that it is a fully animated video grossette. If only, if only, well, okay, here's, here's my thing on this. Um, again, about what I want from a mad balls thing. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So they invented free Kella. Yes. She's not that freaky. No, she's just a purple ball with some hair. And the ones that are kind of gross, they just aren't gross enough. The whole thing's not gross enough. If, if I'm getting a mad ball cartoon, I want warts. I want pus. Mm. I want conjunctivitis, you know, I want some real gross crud. Yeah. Um, Some of them translate pretty well. I think Hornhead, which I think was my favorite, Mm. translates pretty well. Kind of annoyed Um, me early on that he's like, Hornhead smash or something like that. And then later he's like, I can jump around. It's like, oh, you've also learned to talk better, I guess. Um, (laughs) It was necessary that he say his name early on so we know what the character is. He was just role-playing then. Yeah. Whenever he wants... Anyway. Um, I guess we got to do a pig watch. Uh, oh. <laughs> right, there is yeah, a Yeah, one of, one of the henchmen. I don't think he's got any lines. Swine sucker, I guess, is what he's called as a toy. Hmm. Um, he looks pretty good in this, and or she. He or she looks pretty good in this, and as a toy, even better, I would say. Okay. Now, um, Mad Balls were kind of like... I liked them. I kind of wanted them, but they just weren't high tier enough to get my dollars, you know? Yeah. It was the kind of thing where my parents were like, no, those are stupid. Like, yeah. Well, that too, probably. Yeah. My mother would have thought they were pretty, pretty silly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the only the yeah. only memory of the toy. I don't know why this is. The only memory of the toy is seeing them at Canadian Tire, which is <laughs> a it's it's kind of a hardware store sort of here in Canada. Um, kind of like Home Depot, I guess. A little bit. 
but except they sell like everything. Yeah. Um, they had a very limited toy selection. And, you know, when you're a little kid, like in a hardware store like that, like that's what you go to. And it's like, oh man, all they've, they've got like mad balls and that's kind of it. Um, so it was, that that's my only memory is like seeing them in a Canadian tire location that is <laughs> no longer there. Mm. Um, let me see for uh, this. Mm. Uh, Laura Shepard directed it. Yeah. And she's a Nelvana and Canadian animation workhorse. Mm. Uh, she directed tons of episodes of Care Bears, Babar, Tales of the Crypt Keeper, and Jacob Tutu. So relatively recently still working. Mm. Um, um, Patricia Cullen composed the Nelvanius sounding soundtrack you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... Um, a couple of things about the voices. Sure. Um, so, you know, obviously the Canadian contingent is here. You got Dan mm-hmm. Hennessy. You got John Stalker. Mm-hmm. You got, as we said, Cree Summer, Allison Court. Um, Screaming Mimi is voiced by someone named Jeffrey Bowes, who mm-hmm. I don't really have any other credits for. Um, I got I, I got one for you. Yeah. Dan Franks is Wolf Breath. Yes, he is. At- and Mock from Rock and Rule. He is the only person in the world who is qualified to say, I'm Mock. Yeah. Man, we we really need to do Rock and Rule so people can understand these references that uh, only I understand. It's my favorite you know, bad s- movie. Speaking of it, though, um, I don't know what my relationship with Nelvana is. Yeah. I love it until I have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like Rankin Bass, you know, talking about like, oh, I love Rankin Bass, except these kind of suck. Yeah. Same thing with Nilvana stuff that, yeah. Well, this especially. Oh. Like Beetlejuice is fun to watch and probably I would like to watch Droids and Ewoks, but mm-hmm. this is just garbage. Oh, yeah. Don Frank's also apparently uncredited as the voice of Boba Fett in the Star Wars Christmas special. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is trash. Um, Mad Balls <laughs> is dumb. Uh, the, the toys, whatever, but this is, I mean, I don't know that it's as bad as Battletoads, but nothing about it is good. Um, and just well, someday cons- we're going to, hmm? we're going to have to make a tier list of these shows that didn't become series. <laughs> so we'll put, we'll put Mad Balls, Battletoads and Saban Moon on our tier list. Okay, uh, I think, well, I haven't seen Saban Moon. Yeah, um, but I think it's better than this, but okay. Yeah. So it might be Saban Moon number one, Madballs number two, Battletoads number three. Yeah, it goes from like <laughs> D plus tier to uh, <laughs> quadruple F tier. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, this has nothing going for it. And in fact, is kind of um, aggressively annoying. <laughs> um all right well why don't we take a moment to cleanse the palate mm-hmm. let's take a moment to meet one of our celebrity guests who is graciously doling out the bandwidth packets we have the pleasure of having from woody woodpecker dapper denver dooley bring me my breakfast uh, let's see if we can get mr dooley a strudel or something but you know what i'm hungry for quality cartoon reviews and we can't do them without support from the viewers like you oh yeah that's right. Give whatever you can. 
Listen to just half an episode if you only have 50 megabytes to spare. Uh, now, Mr. Dooley, I'm sure you have some funny stories from working for Walter Lance. Okay, I guess it's time for some cartoon reviews. What we got for lunch? All right, so uh, let's move on. Visionaries, uh, Knights of the Magical Light. Mm -hmm. I'll be looking at the first episode called The Age of Magic Begins. And was written by Flint Dill in 1987. <laughs> what a name. So, might be Dilly. Anyway. Um, so, uh, Visionaries. It's from Hasbro, I guess be the way I should put it. <laughs> um, this is the first uh, toy to cartoon property that Hasbro produced where they didn't rely on the writers at Marvel Comics to provide the lore. Mm. But... It doesn't really show because by this point, the method and the uh, outline are there. They know how to make these things. So um, let's get into it. The, the planet Prismos was much like our own, but far advanced technologically. And one day, however, the alignment of its three suns caused all high technology to fail across the planet. And as their utopic society failed... An age of magic began. So they're now in a ruined land, uh, and feudalism and knightly combat are the rule. Prince Leoric and Lord Darkstorm are two monarchs in constant struggle against each other. After we get a glimpse at Darkstorm's latest failed siege against Leoric's castle, we see Darkstorm and mercenary Recon giving audience to those with ideas to give them in the edge against Leoric, sort of like the show's Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. <laughs> but the inevitable fate of the auditioners is to be dropped through a trap door and into the water. <laughs> anyway, the newest contestant is Wizard Merklin. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> do you like that, eh? <laughs> oh my god. Was... Those, are, those are the funny fish people from World of Warcraft, right? Oh, Maybe. I don't know. I just, no, no, I just thought it was like... Those are murlocs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I was just like, oh, this legally distinct Merlin wannabe. <laughs> what? There's somebody holding the uh, copyright and trademark to Merlin? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was like, it's like, yes, I am the ancient wizard Merklin. Like, it's like Sherry Bobbins. It's like <laughs> yes. Wouldn't it be funny if he was Merlin, though? Like, if he just crosses... Because this is, this is a planet from a n way across the galaxy, I guess. Well, I had to stop and go, well, wait a minute. This might actually be based on Arthurian lore. Uh, who are the other no. characters? Leoric? Oh, no, he's just the king from Diablo 3. No, carry on. Well, there there's there's Mortdred, but anyway. Yeah, um, Guinevere, or whatever her name is. Gwendolyn. Oh, wait to that. Yeah. So, um... Merklin <laughs> offers the bad guys magic, but they dump him down the trap door, believing magic to be a superstition, even though Merklin teleported into the chamber in the first place. <laughs> so Merklin next shows up to Leoric and his men, Ektar and Feral. Uh, and this time the wizard is quick to conjure a glowing flying fish to prove his power and not get dropped down a pit. <laughs> um, they decide to visit Merklin's shrine uh, to receive magical gifts. Spying from a rampart is Darkstorm's sycophant, Mortdred, and he takes off on a hang glider to warn his master. When he informs Darkstorm back at his castle, the tyrant reconsiders Merklin's offer 
And he dumps Mortdred for a job well done down the trapdoor because cruelty is fun. <laughs> it's just weird because he did everything perfectly. But anyway, um, so a great many toyetically armored knights <laughs> assemble at the mountain on which the shrine sits. Merklin challenges that any that overcome the challenges and traps to get to him shall receive the magic. One group reaches a cavern, but are impeded by a hall with a series of repeatedly slamming blocks. Witterquick declares that nothing is worse than surrender, so he bravely runs through the deadly hazard, all while carrying his unwieldy staff. <laughs> and, you know, I watched more episodes, and strangely... The ones after establish him as a pessimist. Really? Yeah. He keeps on saying like, oh, nothing's worse than that. Oh, I guess that's kind of his thing here. But no, he, he, he keeps on complaining. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's kind of a funny catchphrase. It's kind of sort of like, you know, how yeah. like grouchy Smurf hates everything. True. It's like you have True. this one character who's like, oh, nothing's worse than like at least once per episode. He has to say that. And it's like, oh, we're we're going to go across the sea to find the... Uh, Ruins of Merhawk. It's like, oh, nothing's worse than going across the sea. I guess I guess it's kind of random whether that translates into being positive or negative. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, elsewhere, across a treacherous rope bridge, Darkstorm, Recon, and Mordred are first to cross, and they sever the ropes to drop all that follow. Blue-armored Arzon grabs hold of the tattered ropes until they magically transform into vipers. <laughs> Seemingly stranded on the cliff, he incredibly fashions a rope harness and wings from a scraggly tree in order to fly across. Um, yeah. So, a, a trio of new Volaric knights, Leoric, Ektar, and Feral, try to sneak past a resting giant made of stone in a tall chamber. Recon, from his hiding spot, throws a stone at it to rouse the monster to stop the heroes. But the dauntless Leoric charges the giant and actually scares it away since it is unused to facing a fearless foe. I have to say, I didn't. Uh, uh, this mm -hmm. when they first came into this room, like the giant was drawn as like a background thing. You know, it was part of the background painting, not animated. They, they animated it yeah. later. But when I saw it, they were like, oh, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty impressive statue. Right. And I'm like, how did they know that it was alive? Hmm. Because I sure didn't. And I mean, it, stone doesn't breathe. Like, it would look like a statue. Yeah. And people don't believe in magic. So, yeah. huh. I don't know. But at any rate, they overcame it. Not because of fearlessness, but because of reason. I don't want to bother. It's stupid. So anyway. Um, so, elsewhere. To cross a waterlogged cavern. Galadria, no doubt hoping to get a ring of power when all this is done. Crosses a narrow beam. When an, when other woman, Viralina, attacks her, they fight until both slip and continue their battle underwater. You know, hold on, mm -hmm. something annoyed me about this, too. Yeah. That, um, what's her name? Gwen? Gal Galadria. Galadria. And she's like, oh, I smelled your vulgar perfume. You, or you would have snuck up on me if you, if you hadn't been wearing that velvet yeah. perfume. And then she's like, oh, I was sneaking up. I was just trying to avoid your face. I'm like, man, so this is the female characters. One yeah. I was like, oh, your perfume stinks. Oh, your face is ugly. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they're going to be perfectly matched to keep this up, I guess, for the rest of their lives. Um, so anyway, they're battling underwater, and a giant octopus monster attacks them. Viralina escapes. Now you got and, my attention. This is yeah. already better than Madballs. Um, so Viralina escapes and closes the gate behind her, but Galadria manages to literally pull the plug and drain the area of the monster's habitat. Yeah, I like how they cut away from this before we... Oh, does the octopus go down the drain? No, it's too big. So does it plug it so it doesn't drain? Uh, let's just go to the next scene. It chokes and sputters while she uh, stabs its helpless body. Um, all right. So in a dark room, Cravix hides high along the wall in order to drop a hive of stinging insects onto a group of non-player character knights. <laughs> yeah, who run away from bees pretty dang quick. Like, oh, there's bees. Never mind this promise of magical power. Oh, it's been... Maybe they're killer hornets. I don't know. But anyway, they're after they allergic. fled... Yes. After after they fled... Uh, oh, also, they're Kravix wearing collects. armor. Well, that'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Like, armor wouldn't keep them from being stung once they crawl in. And, uh, I guess, anyway. yeah, I guess if they get inside, then... Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kravix collects their dropped weapons and considers their cell value. Now, <laughs> elsewhere, to settle an old grudge, Cryotech and Sindar, the burliest knights, clash in a stalactite-filled cavern. Sindar villainously springs to the ceiling to drop stalactites onto Cryotech, but he mightily bursts free of them all and chases after him. Do these names, apparently, do these names make you think that they're going to be like fire and ice power? In I, I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. These these two in particular. Yeah. They're, but whoa, boy, there's a lot of that we can get into for their names mm. um, and themes. Yeah. Anyway, it's apparently some while after that, because the next scene Darkstorm happens across four victims of a trap. Virulina, Kravix, Cowardly Lexor, and Sindar, who we just saw, are hanging upside down, strung by their ankles. And the evil man frees them after leveraging the group of knights to swear fealty to him. And as lengthy as this challenge is, I think there really should have been at least one good knight hanging there to refuse. Hmm. That would have made sense, but anyway. Well, then uh, they probably would have killed him. I don't know. <laughs> they, Actually, they, you know what? You're right. They probably would have, fine, yeah. and just stay there. Like, uh. Yeah, they, they might have pushed him. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> um, so the heroic trio, meanwhile, navigate a maze thanks to Farrell's keen sense of smell. <laughs> but then, funny enough, only after getting out of the maze, Ektar gets separated from his friends. <laughs> he reappears yeah, soon enough to warn them of the ambush by Darkstorm and his cronies. Cryotech, Galadria, and Arzon are drawn to the sounds of conflict, and lucky for Leoric, they join his side, I guess because all their personal rivalries are already working for Darkstorm. Uh. Uh, <laughs> um, just then, Merklin shows up to make them focus on his <laughs> obstacles, not each other. That name just cracks me uh, up every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the character, though. Anyway, at the wizard's incentive, Cryotech breaks down a door, which releases a vortex to suck in all the knights and torment them until they arrive at the shrine. <laughs> uh, finally, Merklin gives each of them a magical totem in exchange that they perform the occasional quest for him in the future. The totems go onto their impractically flat breastplates. 
See, the toys kind of, it's got holograms. So they yeah. have a flat breastplate with a hologram. The, some of them have staves with a uh, standard on the end of the stave with a hologram. It made me un- unreasonably angry that Merklin kept calling them staffs. Instead of uh, standards or banners? No, staves. Oh, staffs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I shouldn't be annoyed by that, but it did for some reason. I don't know why. I think both are fine. Yeah, but staffs it, I know. And that's like, it shouldn't annoy me, but it like just hearing staffs is like, there's a different word. Yeah, whatever. That's, that's my problem. Not this cartoons. <laughs> this cartoon has other problems you're saying. So uh, the totems, uh, yeah, they go into their breastplates and each is based on aspects that they exhibited while climbing the mountain and allows their controller to transform into the animal. Arzon gets the eagle because he flew with a couple fronds on his arms. Uh, Sindar gets the gorilla because he's strong and good at climbing. Not fire-based, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Witterquick is fast, ergo cheetah. This is the one that either uh, me or my brother had. It was like, this was one of those toys where, like, we got one of them as a gift or something but never explored yeah. the collection any further than that. And I, I know that this particular one was in the house. I look, the toys are not bad for this. They're all right. Um, okay. Because Kravik scavenged those weapons, he gets the Phylot, kind of a footless pterodactyl. Mm. Uh, Ektar gets the crafty fox for foiling the ambush. Mm. For bootlicking, Mordred gets the scampering beetle. How? It's funny... They started off real high with like, <laughs> with like, uh, you get the uh, gorilla and you get the, uh, the eagle. And now we're down to the scampering beetle. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, it made me wonder at first, how is this selling this toy? Like who is going to want to buy this action figure? And I haven't looked this up and maybe I should, but I sort of suspect that the ones that don't have the staffs might be the yeah. ones that came with a vehicle. And so it's like, well, maybe you don't, you act, are correct. Maybe you don't actually want more dread, but you do want the car that he drives. You are absolutely correct. Actually, hey, hey! the ones that don't, that don't have staves or staffs, they can empower vehicles. Aha. Merklin just tells them that it's like, you will discover other powers when he could have just taken the shortcut and said, yeah, you can uh, make the old vehicles work. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Feral, this is important. You need to know all these, you need to know all million characters and their powers. Yeah, this took um, a long time. It's most of the cartoon. Feral gets the wolf because he's good at smelling. Um, Viralina and Galadria get the shark and dolphin respectively so that they can portray more lady versus lady conflict. Uh, Lexor, who laughed at Mordred way too soon, gets the armadillo because he's a coward. Uh, Cryotech gets the bear because he is strong. For stealth, Recon gets the lizard. Leoric, for courage, leadership, and symmetry with his name, gets the lion. And Darkstorm, for reasons of general sliminess, gets the mollusk. <laughs> the But... Uh, yeah. I mean, mo- mm, like, there's a lot of different mollusks. That yeah. His is kind of like... Yeah, his is one that's distinct to Prismos, though, I guess, because it shoots acid. So, hmm. 
uh, it's D and D logic for snails. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but, but wait, Merklin is not done. Every knight that carries a staff with their standard gets their truly generic symbol replaced with a new emblem and power. Leoric gets the crappy owl of wisdom. Witterquick doubles up on speed with some Wolverine looking dude for light speed. Arzon gets the Afro man of knowledge. <laughs> Cryotech gets the archer of strength <gasps> for the bad guys. Darkstorm gets the chimera thing of decay. <laughs> Sindar gets the furry brute of destruction. Cravex gets the fear inflicting spider. And Lexor gets invulnerability represented by a spiky head guy like someone from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> uh, these staves have limited charges, though, so the knights will need to return to the shrine to get them recharged. And all, as we mentioned, all the knights that don't have staves have other powers to discover, namely pairing up with vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at a thevisionaries.net and have confirmed that yeah. Mort Dread does indeed come with the Skyclaw. Yep. So for now, Merklin dismisses the knights from his service by dropping them into a whirlpool that deposits them at the bottom of the mountain, all while goofily cackling. This is like, this guy is like if the dungeon master <laughs> from the D&D cartoon grew up and became yes. chaotic neutral. Right. <laughs> uh, so why don't you guys stop fighting and uh, break down that door? Yeah, just do it. Why don't you break down the door? <laughs> <laughs> He's... He's pretty funny. I like him. Uh, so the soggy knights begin to fight, but Darkstorm calls for peace. Darkstorm? What? Uh, yeah, he proposes a treaty that magic only be used to promote Prismos, not fight each other. But really, he just wants the opportunity to strike first and strike sneaky against his honor-bound adversaries. <laughs> so one day, under this false peace, Arzon comes to the aid of a maiden trapped in a pit. When he pulls her free... She gets him to demonstrate his knowledge staff, but the Afro man comes out to inform the idiot that the maiden is Virulina in disguise. It is. And she attacks to be continued. Yeah. Wow. That that uh, dress sure covered up her armor really well. Um, and also it's pretty svelte armor, <laughs> but also like it, Merklin explained that, you know, if you use this staff, then you have to come all the way back here to recharge it. And so he's like, aha, the best way to use this staff is to impress this lady. Prove that it works. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. That is the best way to use that staff, isn't it? Uh, a, a staff that has infinite knowledge and can answer you anything. I, mm, maybe I would use it for... I'm trying to think of which monarch earlier I liked. What you should do is just hang out at the pool and ask a whole bunch of questions. Well, you can't ask a whole bunch of questions because it go, it only works once. Well, I guess no. I, you hang, you hang out you hang out at the shrine. Oh, into the pool the oh! I thought you meant like the swimming pool, impressing various babes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bikini babes! Hey. I'll answer all your questions. Just uh, hey. give me like a day between uh, them. <laughs> Afroman, what's your favorite drink? <laughs> that didn't really strike me as an afro. It struck me as a swollen brain. Is it? I don't know. It looked like it. Like, <laughs> I, that's just what I assumed. It's like, oh, it's infinite knowledge. It's like, oh, it must be a really big brain then. It's both. Yeah. It's a really small afro around a really big swollen head. 
<laughs> now, you know, I confused this for another series. Yeah. Like, I, I knew the basic steps, but which is, there's a series where football players get promoted with magic powers. Which one? It was like football players get transported to another realm and get powers. Wow. Um, I have a really. I thought it, I thought it was this one. <clears throat> Maybe somebody can tweet and tell me that it doesn't exist or they know it or something. But anyway. Uh, hmm. Uh, their armor designs really look like they killed some bionicles and harvested them for parts. They, they don't look too bad. Uh, they kind of look. Kind of, they look similar to the Earth Core from Inhumanoids. Yeah, yeah. But less distinct, and that's a problem because there's so freaking many of them. I, uh, um, Galactic Football? Maybe. Which is, uh, I don't know. came out in 2010? Probably not then. Mm. I might have just dreamed it. I, <laughs> um, I kind of like uh, Recon's fishnet stockings. <laughs> they're kind of funny now you really need the steely focus of a child to memorize the names and looks and powers of all these characters boy i was <laughs> lost fast well arzon and um ektar mm -hmm. well you'll confuse those guys because they're both wearing blue and to further confuse things ektar is smart but Arzon gets the staff of smart guy. So pretty confusing. It's just, the, but it's just the chaotic neutral dungeon master just deciding to switch up the power. You get super speed, but your totem gets whatever he gets. Well, thinking, thinking also, though, to confusing their roles, powers, and even what their names suggest. So Kravix, you would think he was a coward, right? Mm. And he gets that pterodactyl thing because he scavenged those weapons. But it's Recon who's known for being mercenary. Like, you watch further episodes, everything he says is like, mm, yeah, I'll serve you, Darkstorm, so long as you pay better than Leoric. <laughs> so that's his personality trait more than it is Kravex's. Kravex is a total hothead. He's hilarious. Yeah. When, <laughs> when the uh, uh, Darkstorm's men start arguing... He just basically picks a fight with everyone, literally. Like, I hate you because of this, and you stink because of that. <laughs> He's like fighting everyone. Wow. I kind of like him. They're, they're, they're totally dysfunctional, those bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, they pick on Mortred so much. He's the best one. <laughs> um, uh, so, this show is uh, animated by TMS, uh, unlike a lot of those other Hasbro... Um, uh, Hasbro cartoons and I mean it shows the animation is really good mm. to what end but you know yeah um I especially like the, I think the female characters look really cool they're okay yeah now what I'll mention the music in this show too <laughs> this music was instantly recognizable for its similarity to gummy bears <laughs> and it bore out it's composed by Thomas Chase and Steve Rucker who did work on gummy gummy bears, yeah. So okay, hmm. it's got that same kind of jauntiness, and it's composed just a few years apart. Interesting. I I didn't really notice the music that much. Hmm. Which I don't know. Well, I did watch three episodes, I guess. So I really burned it. In me. And you know what? It is kind of fun when you pledge yourself like a little kid. Like 
I'm going to memorize all these guys. <laughs> um, plus, there's the familiarity of the voice cast, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's total Hasbro. Like, uh, Neil Ross is Leoric, mm-hmm. and Springer from Transformers, Herc from Inhumanoids, and Mean Gene Okerlund from Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. <laughs> Uh, Michael McConaughey is Ektar and Lexor, and D from Vampire Hunter D. Oh, weird. Yeah. Jim Cummings is Witterquick, and everybody else, including really? Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's not doing his usual thing, eh? That's really... W- I need to go back and watch that again, because, like, normally, Jim Cummings sticks out like a... Well, sore thumb, I guess. But like he's, he, so- he sounds like the guard from Aladdin. Usually, he, he sounds yeah, 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 yeah. I saw his name in the credits and was like, oh, I didn't hear his voice. Maybe this is one of those shows where they just put all the voice actors from all the episodes in every episode, regardless of whether they're there or not. But you're saying he's winter well, quick. I gotta go back and li- quick, I yeah. gotta go back and check that out, huh? Yeah, yeah. Susan Blue is Galadria. Mm. And RC and Transformers. I like her that she's like got a passion for this stuff. She's not doing it because, you know, it's the job she could get. She likes voice oh, acting. Oh, she literally um, wrote the book on voice acting. Um, there, yes. Uh, it's called Word of Mouth. And I, like I said, I, I've said before that I went to some voice acting classes and every single teacher said to read that book. Like it's, mm. it's, and I do own it. Um, it is, I guess, considered the universal standard in uh, voice acting literature. Yep. And at the end of several podcasts we've done, I've kicked myself for forgetting to mention that she did the voice direction for Lost in Oz. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, so I've gotten far down the list without mentioning that Chris Cobra Commander Lada yeah. is Darkstorm and Cravex. <laughs> I especially, I especially, like... I wonder if they knew back in the day how recognizable his voice was, that everybody knew him as Cobra Commander and Starscream. Yeah, well, like in the early segment, like there's a when all the power goes out, there's a yes. pilot who's crashing. And I was like, man, that doesn't even sound like a human voice. That's just Starscream. Like no, no human would actually sound like that. I mean, obviously one does. Oh, but. But you know what? That might not be an additional voice. I'll get to that in a sec here. But I just want to know, Peter Cullen is Sindar, you know, Optimus Prime. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sindar is kind of fun. Uh, he's dysfunctional as a villain in that he's sort of innocent in a way. <laughs> like, he summons his brute to knock down a castle wall. But then he hears a meowing cat and desperately uh, throws off rocks to save it. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like, when... When uh, he pledges his loyalty to uh, Darkstorm, it's like, well, if your food is good, you know, <laughs> so he's sort of a simple guy. Yeah, um, I'm just finding myself because it's Peter Cullen. I'm finding myself comparing him to Monterey Jack. Like, oh, he's going out of his way to save a cat, not afraid of them. He yes. sure loves his cheese. I like him. You know, funny, when I was a kid, the the one that I liked was I liked um, Cryotech's symbol of strength uh, where from his banner he got this big archer Mm -hmm. it's in the opening credits too it looks so cool but actually watching these episodes man it's never effective (laughs) he's only got one shot and sometimes it does nothing like they're facing this giant (laughs) um i think they call it a mech a a not a mecha dragon but something like that 
It's 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 a mechanical dragon, right. and the arrow just bounces off of Truckosaurus. It's so lame. I looks cool. I never am, works. I'm tainted enough that immediately yeah. when he was like strength, and it shows this archer. Like it was an yeah. instinct that my brain just went, "Well, that's dexterity." Sure, but it actually takes tremendous strength to pull a long bow. Well, if you have a mighty bow. Well, but it, yeah, the actual longbow, like it's it's not good for a weak person in real no, life. No, yeah. but, but, you know, um, I just I was just anyway, amused my point, by that. I was like, eh, I, I just instinctively went to dexterity. Eh. I'm going to circle back to that initial guy that stood out like a sore thumb because he sounded like Chris Lotta. Uh-huh. That might have actually been one of the knights. That newscaster at the beginning, that's Viralina. Oh, they confirm it. They confirm it later. So that construction guy. That was, um, I think, Cryotech, huh. the guy in the construction vehicle jumps out or or Cryotech or Sindar. I can't remember. Well, it's def- but it's, it's Peter to... Cullen. It's some Peter Cullen ass. Well, then, it, Cullen. then it's Sindar. Then it's Sindar for the construction worker. Yeah. But yeah, we see a lot of these knights. But that really confuses me because. Without that knowledge, like I, I didn't see an episode where they say that she's a newscaster, but I read it in her thing, right? Okay. That, that was her prior thing. Um, so. Has it been like less than 10 years since like, has it been less than 10 years where they've ad- adopted a feudal system, made all this armor, built these tremendous castles and all the like super metal buildings and skyways and things are like reduced to rubble and buried. Yeah. It's like the postman, right? There should be some houses left. Yeah. And for that matter, via- okay, here's, here's another one. I bugaboos whenever, uh, novels or any story goes like you know the balance of technology and magic right well if magic just works a certain way then that is like that is technology that is replicatable ways of of uh of using the uh the natural laws of their cosmos you know they the saying goes that any significantly advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. So what happened on this planet? Like, I guess electricity definitely failed for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, it seems so like there's that. it seems like power sources were the thing that failed. Yeah. Like it wasn't necessarily technology. It was the the energy that runs them. Although now that raises some questions like how does matter exist without energy? Like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, does does petroleum not like propel well, thinking, vehicles? Like, too? Yeah, like, like there's that. But now I'm thinking really nerdishly. I'm like, if there's no electricity, I mean, electrons bond right. atoms together, so everything would just kind of disintegrate, right? <laughs> yeah, just as a concept, I'm never that hot on it, mm. especially then when you know whatever thing has like, like what level a door is technology, <laughs> you know. <laughs> A, a lever is technology. Well, yeah, there's like, what, five simple machines? Seven? Uh, there's some yeah. number of simple machines. But yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Me, um, I think this concept yeah. has some legs. Like, you could do, you know, nowadays, with the competent writers that they have making stuff now, you could probably make a really interesting yeah. Visionaries cartoon. But back then, they apparently could not. Well, they didn't do much with the setting. No. Actually, that's a that's a tie through both of these properties we've watched with their. Hmm. <laughs> they established these settings and they're not interesting. I was gonna say those mad balls. Mm. 
their planet gets less interesting the longer that cartoon goes. <laughs> like at first, at first it's this cosmos full of tinker toys, and then you see like a rotating ball of meat for a planet. Yeah. But then eventually the planet is just like a bunch of slums that are indistinguishable from Earth. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, it's just like everything's barren. It took a few episodes for me to even see some guys without armor to see some some farmers and address like, oh, so yeah, they, they have to like grow crops and stuff and figure this out. But mm. um, I think this show would benefit a lot by diversity, if only to really help you differentiate characters. Yeah. Even like size differences. Uh, those helm helmets could have had horns. That would have been a good way to be able to tell them apart. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But I think this is okay. And, you know, I would watch more. I did watch more. I I, I got into that mindset of being a kid and, wa and following mm. this. But, uh, yeah, I I liked it better than you. <laughs> I, I think it's just bland. I don't think it's inoffensive. I don't think it's offensive. I think it's just bland. It's like it didn't do enough. But... Yeah, it had a neat concept that it didn't take far enough. Maybe familiarity of like this Hasbro kind of trapping and and the voice actors carries a little bit of goodwill for me. Mm. Yeah. Oh well. All um right. I guess speaking of voice actors and familiarity, uh let's stop with both. Um, we're, okay. we need to talk about the next episode where we're going to do our familiar cartoon shorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a couple that I was kind of struggling about which one do I want to give? And I decided, ah, heck, I'll just do both. Um, okay. Uh, I believe this is the correct chronological order. The first one is called the unicorn in the garden. A hmm. UPA cartoon. Okay. And the second one is called Monroe. That's M-U-N-R-O. Okay. And uh, just in case you have trouble finding it, it's by Rembrandt Films. Ha! These are not ringing any bells. It'll be a new experience. Um, okay, Matsy, for you! Uh... First off, I'm cheating. Uh, I'm giving you some Mickey Mouse cartoons, but they're, sh they're so short that I'm giving you two as one. All right. These are modern day Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh, interesting. One is called No Service. Hmm. And the other one is Flipper Boobootosis. <laughs> okay. And then I would like you to round that out by watching an old Popeye cartoon called Protect the Weakerest. Huh, you have a theme of weird titles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's the end of our telethon. Uh, don't worry. We still have uh, operators standing by if you want to make downloads after the uh, end of this telethon. But um, also, call in and let us know what you would like to watch what you want to hear us talk about, uh, and what you thought about that crazy end of Splatoon 3, I am at AC Matsy on Twitter. Right. Boy, what a night of exciting cartoon reviews, special guests, zany cut-ups. Um, if you like this podcast, be sure to download Animation Celery from as many platforms as possible. 
inflate those numbers, uh, help us keep delivering opinions about such beloved animations as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Kiriku and the Sorceress. <laughs> and don't forget, too, that you'll be getting a tube of Geppel's goo at the one gig, uh, Manufacturer Air Child's backpack at 10 gigs, and at 50 gigabytes, the backpack, three tubes of Geppel's goo, and the regifted Telethon t-shirt. Uh, we're nearing the end. Um, but operators like Dooley will still record your pledge. All right, so let's have a final look at the board. How many downloads? Oh, God, it's the Celery Stalker slogan. If I ever get my hands on that bad ball, I'm going to flatten him, then fold him into a teeny tiny airplane and send him flying, hopefully into a brick wall. Oh.